Good morning. My name is Vince. Welcome to Friends Church. I'm old. Actually, I got ID'd the other day. I took my toque off. I was like, lady, what are you thinking? Do you see how much gray hair I have? But when I was in school, we had projectors. You know those reel-to-reel projectors? They like thread the thing through there. The teachers could never figure out how to thread it all through. So it's like janky, like jink, jink, jink sound, picture. The sound, is, <laughs> the sound is horrible. Isn't it a blessing to have incredible sound here? I remember sitting there as probably, I have no clue because I have no, but I'm going to guess grade six. And they show this movie about the immune system. And they had it all characterized. So they, the cartoonist had the immune system as these kind of fat, middle-aged men. Buggers, come on. And so they're walking around kind of the body, right? It's all characterized until all of a sudden a virus comes into the system. And the virus is these massive black spiders. And the immune system is supposed to fight off the spiders because that's the virus. And so they pull out their guns, but only some of them had guns. That was disappointing. And then the guys who had guns, they started shooting at the, the, the spiders as they came over the wall, but then they ran out of ammunition. By the end, they're using their, their kind of guns as clubs to try and beat them, but it's to no avail. The virus overwhelms them, takes them out. And then in this kind of weird moment for grade six, they show the picture of a casket. The host died. Dun, dun, dun. We're all like... And then because they didn't have the technology to, you know, how they do it now, they quickly rewind it really in fast motion. They couldn't do that. So they just snapped us back to the beginning. They said, but now things change. So again, the fat middle-aged men who are the immune system, that's a whole metaphor, isn't that? Anyways, (laughs) they introduce a vaccine now. And the men grab their guns and they start like shooting and then they realize... But before they even realize what's going on, there's this whole, like, factory that starts up in the background. Like, smoke billowing out of the smokestacks, this whole, like, war effort. I'm old again. War effort made sense to us. We got that. And the factory starts up, and they're making guns and ammunition, but they're not just stopping there. They got grenades. They got bazookas. Then they start making tanks. There's tanks rolling out. Then there's these, like, bombers that drop bombs on the stuff. Like they are going hog wild on this sucker. And they're just about to send it all out to the front when they realize that the guys at the front who were dealing with the vaccine, the vaccine was just this kind of like fat teddy bear that just kind of laid on the ground. The guys would walk up and kick it and they would die. But now they have this whole war effort ready to go. There's massive warehouses, and they're just all lined up like the tank, 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 ready to go. Well, again, now the actual virus shows up. The spiders crawl over the wall. They come in. But now, instead of being these kind of middle-aged men who don't really know what's going on, who don't really have guns, they're all like Rambo, like six-pack abs, you know, whatever. They got guns everywhere. They're just loaded with guns. 
they whip those out and start going after the, vi- the, vax- or the virus. They're coming at them. They're like, bam, bam, bam. Pretty soon the tanks are rolling in. They're lobbing these massive bombs and the planes come over. And the virus is getting decimated. Decimated. The end, I remember the end. Whoever the cartoonist was this, I tried to find it for you guys so I could show it, but it's too old. The last virus piece is this last spider. And the spiders realized, we're not going to win. So it's trying to get out. And it's running and running, and they're shooting at it as it's running. Finally, it runs up a ladder to try and get over the wall. And there's a guy with a piano gun. Yes, the illustrator made a gun that is part of a piano. And so when you play the notes, it shoots these different guns. And the guy's like playing this rock opera as it's shooting out at this thing up the, the ladder and it's shooting up the rings. Finally, the, guy, or the, the virus gets to the top and the guy blows them up. We've won. Hallelujah. Thank you. So why am I telling you this crazy story about some bizarre illustrator who, I don't know, smoked something weird before he did this? Because there's a key part of this. After the first attack, the body got overwhelmed. But after it saw something, it saw the, vi- the vaccine, the body remembered. It remembered there's things that can hurt it. It remembered that it needs to protect itself and get ready. It remembered. I don't know about you, but I find that incredible. Because the body just doesn't remember things that go through your skin or come in through your nose, your mouth. It remembers other things as well. We were watching Ted Lasso. I don't know if anyone's seen Ted Lasso. Hilarious show. It's not often that I laugh at a show, but that one I laugh my butt off. But there's this scene, this couple, um, I can't remember their name. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they're just starting to kind of flirt with each other. And they're kind of into each other. And the woman is in a dark parkade at night. She's got her back to the, to the darkness, and she's got her trunk open. And she's putting things in her trunk. And the guy walks up to her quietly, not Deliberately quietly, but quietly, because he's not like making noise. He's just walking normal. And he says, hey, what do you think she does? And he's like, oh, did I scare you? She's like, you're an idiot. Of course you scared me. I'm a woman in the dark, alone in a parkade, and you walked up behind me. Are you dumb? You see, chances are whoever wrote that script has seen people who've had physical threat in their life. They've had moments where they didn't feel physically safe. And just like your immune system remembers, so too your body remembers when you don't feel safe. It remembers that. And then... It tries to protect you from other moments that are unsafe. I've told you guys, I got caught in an avalanche, not a big one, small one, didn't die. Obviously, I'm here. The last time I told you the story, I didn't tell you the ending, and people were like, well, did you die? <laughs> yeah, I died. So I didn't die, I'm here. Man, I'm skittish around <laughs> avalanches now. 
my buddies are like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, eh, I'm just going to go hang out in the kiddie pool over there. Our bodies remember. Where in your life have you felt physically unsafe? Where are those memories? Chances are your body remembers that. It's trying to protect you from that. Humans are the weirdest species. The other day I was riding to uh, McLean Creek, drove past a six-legged cow. Have you ever seen a six-legged cow? I hadn't seen one either. So I stopped my motorbike, and I'm like, how in the world is there six legs on a cow? Until I realized, no, 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 there's a cow with a cow coming out of the cow. You'd think I was from a farm, but I'm really not. <laughs> so I stopped, and I'm like, what in the world is going on here? The cow comes out. The mother is just kind of like chilling. The cow comes out and starts walking around. Think of a human baby. Human babies are useless. They can't even sit up. Their heads are so big. Their brains are so big. They can't, you know, their necks will break. Or I'm not actually sure if that's a wives' tale or whatever, but like they can't feed themselves. They can't run away from trouble. They can't do anything. Useless. Cows, you know, and it was minutes. The thing plopped out and then it stood up and it kind of like, and then it took off. It's like, that's incredible. But humans evolved with massive heads. So we're kind of useless when we're born, but we learned that we need our parents to protect us when we're babies. We all have a system inside of us that knows that at the deepest core of who we are. And so when you're a baby, before you even realize what's going on, if you cry, your wiring says, my parents should show up and take care of me. You're wired for that. And any threat to that response, your brain pays incredibly close attention. Because again, you're useless. This is life-threatening. If your parents don't come, you're dead. So if you cry and your parents doesn't come, but then you kind of blow a gasket, you know, just like full-on tantrum, and your parents show up and take care of you, what do you think your brain remembers? When I blow a gasket, I'll be taken care of. Crying's not enough. I need to go big. Now you'd think that as we become adults, you know, as we can learn to hold our heads up and we can wipe our own bums, we buy a house, you know, we get married, you'd think that system would turn off. It doesn't. It's still trying to protect you and it's remembering the stuff that happened before you even had words. Now, don't put up your hands, but anyone know anyone who always seems to be having drama? They're always, you know, whatever's going on, it's bigger than yours, it's more whatever. You're constantly trying to calm them down. That's their body remembering. When I have drama, people will take care of me and I'll feel safe. But there's another piece that goes on in attachment. This is called attachment theory. Again, it's how we survive as a species because otherwise it wouldn't work. So I'm a small baby. This is my group. Small baby, I cry. My parents don't show up. 
I cry louder. I put on some drama. Now my parents get mad at me. And so quickly my brain learns, it remembers, right? If I pull out drama, they go away. And for all you who are like me out there, what do you think our brain does? We learn that emotions equals threat. And so we turn the volume down. I'm going through my divorce. I'm sitting in front of my counselor. She says, Vince, do you ever cry? I said, yeah, of course I cry. I'm crying right now. She's like, no, you're not. Lady, I think I know when I'm crying. And I'm crying right now. She's like, no, you're not. It took me a long time to realize that that was the wiring from before I even had words that said, you don't let your emotions out. Feeling your emotions equals threat. And our bodies remember. We have physical threat. We have attachment threat. Attachment threat's a massive one. I was, uh, I was at a youth conference, so teenager, probably junior high, you know, really vulnerable, geeky. I had this massive afro, it was horrible. Sitting with all my buddies, we went to a house. We were in Toronto at some youth event, and someone boarded us, which is like they let us stay in their house. Nice guy. I, remember, I don't remember his name, but he was kind of short, really like brown hair, these warm eyes. And he could just bring you out. So he sat us all around. He'd ask us all questions. Felt amazing. He was just getting us talking. Then he said, what do you think the future is going to be like, guys? Without even thinking, I just blurted out, I think we're going to mine the moon for resources. Suddenly, all ten guys were laughing their asses off at me. You could have fried an egg on my face. That's how red it was. My best friend is pointing at me and laughing. Mind the moon for resources, you an idiot? Social threat is massive. What do you think my brain remembered? Don't blurt things out before you think of the social consequences. How many of us select what we put into public? We post certain things on social media, other things we don't. Instead of taking one picture, we take four to see which one we look the best in. How many of us, if we were really honest, even with the people we love, we would say certain things, we'd do certain things, but we don't, we hide it. Because our bodies are extremely attuned to social threat. I can still feel, even if I tell you guys, it's like I can't even explain how embarrassing that was. Still, you know, 30 years later, I can still feel it. And chances are you've all felt social threat too. A friend of mine, she goes up, her family was, if you're a female in this family, you do not leave the house without putting lipstick on. 40 years later, she still struggles to go to the house without putting lipstick on. It's an effort of will to transcend the social threat. So what things 
What social threats does your body remember? As we sit here and kind of squirm, my brain goes to, my brain's remembering, my body's remembering for a reason. It's trying to help us, isn't it? There's actually this whole theory that says all memory is designed to protect you. You don't actually remember the good things, you really remember the bad things. And research has showed this over and over again. I think the last number they have is it takes 10 positive things to counteract one negative thing. Our bodies are biased towards negative memories because they're trying to protect us from getting hurt. Don't be alone in a parkade at night. Don't be under an avalanche slope. Don't say things that, in public that make you look stupid. Don't wear that outfit. Don't say that thing. The attachment one is so deep inside of you, we sometimes don't even know it. We bring out drama without even realizing it. Or, or if you're like me, you've turned down your emotions to the point where a trained psychologist can't even tell I'm crying. Here's the question. If you're under threat, this system, this remembering system, top shelf, right? Like, bring it on. Keep remembering. But what happens if the memories are protecting you from something you want? Do you guys remember Vince Fowler? I introduced or interviewed him a couple weeks, months, years ago. I don't, my brain doesn't timestamp things, so it was the other day for me. He was right there. He's been diagnosed with PTSD. He's a, a veteran. He served in Somalia as a peacekeeping force. And he told this incredible story. These guys are in this, like, walled, it's, got, it's this fence encampment in the middle of Somalia. There's, there's people who want to hurt them all over the place. And they're bored. So they're sitting around, and they're trying to make, who has the best grenade sound? And so the one guy's like, no, no, a grenade sounds like this. Kabow! And the next guy's like, that doesn't sound like a grenade at all. It sounds like this. Kaboom! And the next guy's like, no, 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 that's not a grenade. And suddenly a grenade goes off beside them. Someone has lobbed a grenade over the fence next to where they're describing how a grenade sounds. What do you think his body remembers? from that little piece of heaven. I talked to him this week. I said, hey, remember that story? He's like, oh yeah. I was like, how do you do with fireworks? He's like, oh, fireworks. I have to know they're coming. I have to keep my eye directly on them the whole time. And I have to keep saying, these are fireworks. These are fireworks. These are fireworks. Everything's okay. I said, what happens if you're just hanging out with your family and a car backfires? He's like, I'm instantly in panic mode. My heart's going a million miles an hour. I'm ready to grab my kids and throw them behind a car, you know, put my body over them. What happens when the memory that was designed to protect you from threat makes it so you can't even enjoy a simple thing like fireworks in the park unless you can look at them? But think about it more. How much of those memories are protecting you from things that you don't want to be protected from? We hear this from survivors of sexual assault. They've had horrible experiences in their past, and so their brain remembers the threat. It's doing what it's supposed to do, protect. But now they find a new partner and they want to be intimate with that partner. 
Everything's going good. Till halfway in, all of a sudden that memory fires up so loud and they're panicked. And the very person they want to connect with, the person they want to be intimate with and love, now their brain's saying, that is the enemy. We need to get away from this person. What happens when the things that our body remembers to protect us turn against the things that we want? What do we do? I told you about my attachment. I've been pretty open. I'm divorced. Think about me, young baby, learning that whenever I feel emotions, people go away. I've turned my emotions down so far, a trained psychologist can't even tell I'm crying. And now I'm married. My face never shows emotion. It's flat, dead. My ex-wife would say, hey, you excited about holidays? No. You sad that happened? No. What happens when the things you remember take out the thing you want? We called this series The Cracks in the Foundation, and it's from my life and I think from your life, because the cracks are those memories that we haven't dealt with that are still trying to protect us from the things that we want. The Bible has this, this quote, it says, build your house on a firm foundation, and yet all these memories are like cracks in the foundation of our lives, and if we don't deal with them, the house comes down. Think of me as your cautionary tale. My crack, that attachment crack, was one of the major factors that took out my marriage. Because I never dealt with it. Honestly, I didn't even know it was there. And that's the piece I want to talk to you guys about. Actually, you know, before I do, so I talked last week about experts, right? There's people who know more than we do. And so in this area, there's, there's an expert that when you read anything in this area, all the experts say you need to read this expert. His name is Bezel van der Kolk. Crazy name. The Body Remembers is this book. He's got this amazing quote when he talks about how our memories work. He says, the memory of a bad event is not the story of something that happened back then. It's the current imprint of that pain, horror, and fear living inside of people right now. The current. See, this is the problem with our memory system. It remembers, but it doesn't remember based on time. It will take something that happened in the past and bring it right into the present. Boom. And you will feel it with all the fear that you felt it originally. If you ask someone like me with an attachment wound like that and say, hey, Vince, you know, why aren't you feeling emotions? My answer would be like, Why? Why would I feel emotions? I didn't even know you could feel emotions. I feel emotions, right? I'm mad. I'm calm. Anyone, don't put up your hand again. Anyone on the drama side of life? This is even a hard one to see because you, you can't tell. It's like a fish seeing water. You're so used to feeling things so deeply that you express them so deeply so people come around and support you that you don't realize that's an attachment wound. Your body's remembering something from your childhood before you could even talk. 
and bring it into this moment. Can you throw up the next quote from uh, Van der Kolk? It's only partly an issue of consciousness. Much has to do with unconscious parts of the brain that keep interpreting the world as being dangerous and frightening and feeling helpless. You know you shouldn't feel that way, but you do. And it makes you feel defective and ashamed. Even as I talk about these different pieces, I can feel myself wanting to hide them. Because yeah, I feel I shouldn't do that. Why do I do that? I know better. Why is it that stuff always bothers me? I want to talk about one more thing and then I'm going to bring it back around. Something I learned in the last couple of weeks is we actually have two memory systems. I don't know if you knew this. One's called a declarative memory and one's called a non-declarative memory. It's two systems. They're both active in your brain. They just do different things. So a declarative memory is this. Um, can anyone tell me where they were yesterday? Just yell it out. Christmas market I heard over here? Perfect. So, declarative memory. Facts and events. Where was your Christmas market? At where? At your house. You had a Christmas market at your house. That's killer. You remember facts and events. This is a really good part of your brain that we use for school a lot, right? You know, when was the Declaration of Independence signed? I have no clue, but someone might know that. Facts and events, that's a really important part. And as our stress increases, so if I tell you, okay, folks, I'm gonna, this, this part of the message about declarative, non-declarative, we're going to have a test next week, and you need to remember this. Can you feel your stress just bump up just a hair? And suddenly you're paying attention, you're like, okay, what was that? What did you say? Declarative, non-declarative? Yeah, okay, I think I got that. But if I introduce more stress... Next week, you have to preach the message up here on declarative and non-declarative memory. Your brain probably, unless you're a public speaker, has gone into tilt now. And your facts and events part of your brain is now shutting off rapidly. And what are you feeling? Anyone feeling like sweaty palms a little bit? A little bit like, oh, I'd rather do anything than that. Second part of our memory, declarative, functions verbally. It's really beautiful. Facts and figures. Works when we're calm. A little bit of stress bumps it up, and then it drops off. If you're ever in a fight with someone where you're really stressed out, chances are the facts and events part of your brain has shut off long ago. If you're ever arguing about who said what when you're both stressed with anybody, you're both wrong. The part of your brain that remembers that has turned off long ago. But there's another part of our brain that as stress climbs, it comes into play. I asked if I said you have to preach this message next week, started, people started to squirm a little bit. You're all like, I'm not sure about that. Your non-declarative memory doesn't function in language. It has to do with emotions. The sweaty palms, the feeling in your stomach, the heart racing. We remember how things feel. It's also your muscle memory. It's also your skills memory, how you can do things without thinking. But think about the emotional memory. Where do you think those threat memories that kept us safe from physical attachment and social harm, where do you think those are stored? Yeah. 
And as you get stressed, the amount of memory in that portion climbs and climbs and gets stronger and stronger. But here's the thing. It doesn't exist in words. One of the hardest things for us to do is to put our feelings into words. That's why good songwriters are poets. They're, you know, we, we venerate them. Because sometimes they can say what we're feeling. But here's the thing. Threat is stored as an emotional memory. The facts and figures portion is down. When it happened, not important. Where I was, not important. I got scared in a dark place. It doesn't matter that it's 20 years later and I'm in a parkade and the person I love just walked up to me. The emotional memory doesn't care. Do you see how these things create cracks in our foundation? If you don't deal with these, the cost is huge. I already shared mine. This is part of what caused my divorce. One of the more painful experiences of my life. This is the moment where you've yelled at your kids and you don't know why and you see the pain in their eyes as you're looking at them and you go, why did I just do that? That's the crack in the foundation coming up. It's having someone you love say to you, I don't even know you anymore. It's doing things at a job where you're going, I know what I need to do, but I just, I keep not doing it. It's addictions that are trying to numb. It's bad behaviors. It's outbursts. It's pulling away. This stuff, the reason we call it the cracks in your foundation is because it has the potential to take your house down. I spent a year after my divorce with my counselor learning how to feel, feeling safe enough to feel. I'm still not good at it. I work really hard at it. You look at Jeff up here, the guy can like cry about anything. I'm always just so amazed at what he can do. Like it's just emotions are right there. I'm like, how do you even do that? If I start to feel sad, I have to turn up like country music and watch like a sad movie. Even then I have this one little tear. I told you guys a sad message. I watched it back on video. I looked at my face and I'm like, the guy's not even sad. Inside I'm bawling my eyes out, but what you guys see is just nothing. If we don't do this work, it can take out our health. We're finding more and more links between unresolved cracks in our foundation and our physical health. It's taking out relationships. It's taking out our joy. It's putting our, li- our, our minds on threat all the time. It's causing damage to ourselves because our bodies aren't designed to live under stress for that long. They don't function well that way. These cracks have to be dealt with or pay the consequence. Our bodies remember. Now you know there's declarative and non-declarative memory. Now you can realize there's memories we have that have no words. You can go to a counselor and try and talk about it I can't explain why feelings feels bad to me. Feeling my emotions somehow feels wrong. I can't tell you that. It happened before I was even conscious of words. Now for some of you, you have events in your life that you can point to and go, that was a bad, bad event. 
And your body should be right to protect you from that. The emotional memory is strong. And yet, what I want to ask you is, is it protecting you from the things that you actually want? From the relationships you want? From the adventure you want? From the experiences you want? It's a memory that's designed to protect focused on the wrong thing. The series is about this piece. And just because now you understand how memory works, you realize that a lot of these protective memories are not conscious, they're unconscious. And so here's what I want you to do this week. Kind of the next step, if this is something you want to deal with. First, commit to this series. Book off the next four weeks, come. It's worth it. I'm telling you, by the time you hit Christmas, being with family, if you're around family or not around family, is enough of a powder keg to blow apart any issues. If you have cracks in your foundation, they will be revealed, often painfully, often at the dinner table. <laughs> you laugh because you're like me. You're like, oh yeah, I've been there, done that. Commit to this series. Commit to this work. We told you guys our spiritual journey start with awareness. Here's what I want you to watch for in your lives. Watch for moments where you're overreacting or underreacting. Someone walks up, someone you love walks up behind you in a dark parkade. If you lose your mind on them, chances are something's going on. There's a crack there that just got poked. If something big happened, you're about to go on this amazing holiday, and someone says, Are you excited? And you go, Nope. And your face looks like this. You're underreacting. You're about to go on holidays. Of course it's exciting. But even feeling that emotion doesn't feel safe. If you can feel the pull of past events constantly holding you back, constantly keeping you in anxiety and in depression, pay attention. If you're brave, talk to somebody who knows you well. Say, hey, where do I overreact and where do I underreact? It will start to give you the lay of the land of the cracks in your foundation. Folks, as somebody who ended a marriage through this work, I can't say enough. If we don't deal with this stuff, it'll hurt us and it'll hurt the people we love. So if you're willing, because it takes a tremendous amount of courage to get some of this emotion memory, to become aware of it and become conscious of it, and the end goal is to actually be able to talk to it. I know you're trying to protect me. But I love this person. I'm safe here. It's okay to feel these emotions. This person will be there no matter if you make drama or no drama. You're capable. You're talented. You're beautiful. next four weeks I want to invite you to come back it's going to be good and again keep an eye out overreaction underreaction have a great week and let's start figuring out these cracks okay take care everyone